Uh, we're starting a brand new series called Shipwrecked. So um, let me ex- kind of explain where the name comes from. Have you noticed that our culture is a little bit obsessed with celebrity relationships? Have you noticed this at all? Um, a little bit obsessed. So what's happened is as a result of that, it's kind of led to a new term and a new fad. Okay, so let's talk about the term first. The new term is um, ship, right? So not like, see, some of you are thinking like ship like UPS, right? Not like that. Like Think ship like the bachelor, right? Ship like as in relationship. It's not a noun either. It's a verb. So if I said I ship you and it, what if you ship one name and another name, what you're saying is I could see them getting together, right? So like when I'm on the, and, and when I'm in, at Food Line and I'm on the dairy aisle, I ship cookie dough ice cream and magic shell. Got me? Like, and, and I ship them with me, right? Like I ship this. So if you say I ship, I ship and you put in two, you're just putting those people together. I could see potentially in the future, I could see how they could become an item, Right? This is a verb, I ship you. It's important. It's also important that you enunciate it well, right? I ship you, okay? The, the fad. So because of that, um, a fad has been, it's not new, it's been around for a while, but you take the names of those two people and you kind of do a name mashup, right? You put these names together and you get a new name, a new relationship name, a, a new shipping name, for, for lack of a better term, right? So uh, you've heard of some of these. Um, Brangelina. Right? You've heard this. Benifer, have you heard this? Um, Tom Cat was one of them. Um, a couple more. Uh, Jelena, Zanessa. You take the girl and the guy's name and you put them together. Uh, one of my favorite was Taylor Squared. Because Taylor Swift was dating another Taylor, so Taylor Squared. And I got to thinking, like, we could have fun with this, couldn't we? We could do this in our own church. We could, we could make ship names in our church. Like me and Wendy. Yeah. We would be Pendy. That's pretty cool. Like, we could have Britchard, right? Um, Phil and Jen, they could be Jennifer or Philifer, right? It's all kinds of, um, I, I, I'm not sure if you, if you know um, Cody and Taylor Teague, but they could be Toady. We, we could do this all day long, right? Um, People that you may not know, this, this is my favorite, my favorite ship name in our church. Do you know Jay and Kelly Phillips? They would be jelly, y'all. I love that, right? We're, we're, kind, of, we're kind of obsessed with relationships. We're, we we kind of, it's not just for people that are in the relationship, but like people actually, they follow that. Like people Google Benefer, right? They, they Google, they, well, they won't Google jelly because they're in our church, but they would Google the name to kind of see how the relationship's going. We're obsessed with the relationships, and, and here's why. Why are we so obsessed with relationships? The answer is very simple. We've all got them, right? Every one of us have relationships. Now, if you're here in the house and you're not married and not looking, it's okay. This is not a couple series. This is not, well, this is about how Paul and Wendy can get along better, or if you're engaged, how your marriage can be great. Listen, you can be here, you could be single and proud of it and thrilled out of your mind and never have a desire to get married. You still have relationships. You have friendships. You have uh, job relationships. Ugh, did I have to say that, right? If you don't have anybody in your life, you still relate to somebody. 
Maybe even yourself. Which is why you talk to yourself and occasionally answer. It's why you talk to the TV. It's why you talk to the dog, to the cat, to your pet iguana. It's why if someday you found yourself stranded on an island with nobody else around, you would talk to a volleyball. And Wilson was the most popular character of that movie, right? We, have, we are made to relate. We've got to find ways to relate. It's how God made us. There was a study done, a Harvard study. That sounds so important, right? For 80 years, they followed 700 men. So this started back in the 30s, 1930s, and they found two groups of men. One group was like 230-some-odd guys. They were undergraduate men at Harvard. And so they picked those men because they said, well, these men, have, they've had a good upbringing. They obviously have opportunity or they wouldn't be at Harvard. they got to be somewhat smart or they wouldn't be at Harvard. And then the rest of that 700 came from the poorest sections of Boston. And they found 700 men that fit one of those two categories, and they followed them, tracked them, stalked them, right, their entire lives. Like some of these men are now like in their 80s, and they've been following these men for 70, 80 years to see how their lives would turn out, to see if there was anything that they could learn. I'll just give you some of the findings that they found out, okay, some of the findings that they found out. Did I just say that? That's crazy, right? What else would you do with findings but find them out? All right, number one. This has nothing to do with relationships, but how many of you would like to age well? You look at me and you're like, I don't like what I see, okay? So if you'd like to age well, I'm about to give you, they found the number one thing you can do after tracking these 700 men from all walks of life, the number one thing you can do if you want to age well is don't smoke. I know you're like, God, I wish I'd known that years ago, right? That's got nothing to do with relationships. That's just got to do with how, how we're going to age. They found that relationships were a major factor to health and well-being. They found that the people in the strongest relationships were protected against chronic disease, mental illness, and memory decline. Isn't that crazy? Here's what, it, this is shocking too. They found that you don't even have to be in a happy relationship, just a relationship. They, they found some men who'd been married for years who fought every single day with their spouse. But the fact that they had somebody they could count on to fight with was actually helped them to have good mental health. It was better than being alone. Listen to this quote from one of the directors of the study. Over and over in these 75 years, he said, our study has shown that this is the important part. The people who fared the best were the people who leaned into relationships with family, friends, and with community. They, they even found like as these men aged, and they would have relationships at work, and then they would retire from their job, which meant by retiring they would lose those relationships, or one of their good friends would retire from the job and they would lose that relationship. The men who went out and then replaced that relationship with a new person, not like booted him to the curb and got somebody else, but like, okay, I'm not going to see that person again, but I'm going to have another relationship. Those were the men that had the best mental health. They didn't go, God, everybody left me. I'm just lonely now, right? They leaned into relationships. So the question is not do we need relationships. The question is will we succeed in relationships. 25 years ago this year, there was a groundbreaking moment, destiny-changing moment. Groundhog Day was released as a movie starring Bill Murray. I, I don't know if you've seen the movie or not. You probably should if you haven't. 
um, just to kind of complete your life, right? But I'll give you the, the basic gist of it. Bill Murray is a news anchor man, and he gets stuck on Groundhog Day. And so every day is the same thing. And so he steps in the same hole every day. The same guy says, you know, like the same thing about, hey, that first step's a doozy. He hears it every day, right? He does the same thing. And so here's how he responds to that. Out of anger and frustration, he just does the same thing every day. Like, I'm, I can't believe I'm stuck here. So I'm, he just gets mad and he just does everything the same but just with anger, right? And then he finally starts to figure out. I don't want to spoil the movie for you, right, but I'm going to. He finally figures out. If I kind of accept where I am and do things differently, I can get different reactions and responses from the people that are here, right? So I can say something different, get a different conversation back. Can I say this? I believe that that's a pretty good picture of our relationships. We do the same things over and over and over again and expect different results. And you know that's insanity, right? So this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to kick a series off. We want to talk about how we can cultivate Healthy relationships that won't become shipwrecked, all right? Our, our culture knows about wrecked relationships, right? So let's see if, if it's possible that God has something to say about how we can cultivate healthy relationships. I think he does, and here's why. He made us to be relatable, right? Again, it's why we talk to ourselves, because we have to have somebody to talk to, some relationship. He made us to be that way. I think that he has something to say about it. And so this morning, I'm just going to share with you one one truth, it's found in, I'm going to give you some time to find it. If you have your Bible app, you're going to find it quickly because it's in Amos. But if you actually have a physical Bible, you're going to need to find it. And it's about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. You'll find this little book called Amos, The Lifestyles of the Rich in Amos. Right? Did I get anybody with that one? That's going way back, isn't it? I'm Robin Leach. Right? That was pretty good, wasn't it? That's all I got. I got nothing else. That's it. So Amos is a nine-chapter book. It's a message from the prophet of Amos to the people of God. And I believe that he's going to share with us a foundational truth that can make or break our relationships. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Amos chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, it will be up on the screen. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. This is what it says. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? I can hear you're like, I expected so much more out of you, Paul. I thought you were going to bring the, bring the thunder today, right? So this is what I got. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? I believe this. I believe that that is a foundational truth to having relationships that work. You've got to have people that agree on the same direction. There's got to be power in alignment. Listen. It's possible in our, in our relationships to struggle because we can do a lot of things and not be on the same page. Some of you right now, you're like, yep, that's my workplace. Doing a lot of stuff, not on the same page. Let me give you this phrase. Um, I've, been whole, I've been sitting on this one for a couple months now. So as I was praying a couple months ago, the Holy Spirit dropped this phrase in my heart, and I just wrote it in my journal, and I knew it was for this series and so this is going to kind of be the, the, the overarching idea for us, the big idea for this series. And here it is, three words, ready? Alignment before assignment. Alignment before assignment. I want to kind of unpack that the rest of this morning, okay? And it's foundational. We'll build on it as we go through the, the rest of the series. I know that you have a lot of, like there's a lot of micro detail in our relationships that we would like to have answers to, right? Um, can, I, can I throw a few out and not make you feel too uncomfortable? 
Yeah, we're going to try, okay? This might be too real for some of you. So some of you hear, hey, we're going to do a series on relationships, and you're excited, and here's why. You're thinking, how can I get him to stop watching porn? That's, that's an important detail, but that's micro level, right? How can I get her to stop nagging me about watching porn? <laughs> whatever. Like, fill in the blanks. So, like, how can I, and we fill in the blanks with whatever, whatever important thing we are facing in our relationships. So, honesty, communication, right? Like, these are really, really important. And we're going to get to those. What, what do I do when he or she leaves? How do I get through whatever? Finances. Oh, my gosh. You know, like that's the number one reason for people getting divorced is, is communication about finances, right? So we're going to take a whole month in February and talk about finances. Like it's that important. But today I can't answer those questions. Today what I want to do is I want to like put you all in a plane and take you up about 30,000 feet and just like just get this big picture look at relationships in general and the most important relationship that we have in Jesus and see how that can guide us in all the other relationships that we have. So that's it. That's the macro level view of relationships, alignment before assignment. Um, I have a really good illustration. And I wanted to bring some people on the platform and help me do it. But I knew that if I did, we would break things. Because we have a very competitive church. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, I said it louder than you. Ha! Right? We are very competitive. So I knew that if I brought some of you on this platform and, and did a tug of war, we would probably lose the drums and, like, there'd be stuff would be flying everywhere. It would turn into a springer, right? So we're not going to, you've got to just picture it in your head, okay? How many of you played tug, tug of war at some time in your, in your life? Okay. So imagine the platform and we have the rope. And so you know that on one side is one team and on the other side is another team. And, and what gets tied to the rope in the middle? A middle school student, yes, exactly. No, I'm kidding. Like a flag or a T-shirt. I mean, something's hanging there. And the goal in tug of war is to get that flag past a certain point on your side. So if we're on this side, we'll just say that mic stand is like once the flag gets past that, we win, right? And on this side, this one, well, I mean, I think, I guess, you know, people cheat. So. This one, right, this is on this side. You want to get it past that. So in tug of war, and I used to do this at, at Park Ridge for a field day. I was the guy that held the, the rope in place until it was time to go, which was always funny because, like, am I really holding it? No, right? I'm just like, whoa, you know. And you let it go, and everybody starts to pull. And how many of you know in tug of war that you can have a lot of activity for a lot of time and nobody ever win? Because I've been a part of these, like, Somebody starts cheering really loud over there, and the flag just goes this way and this way. And everybody starts cheering louder. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it stops right here. And then they start yelling loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. It stops right here. I mean, you, and you know what? In tug of war, you can literally go back and forth forever and never end. Alignment before assignment. Check this out. You can have a lot of activity in your relationships and never have victory. If all you're doing is tug of war. Activity, but no victory. Back and forth and back and forth. And it's never over because alignment 
before assignment. You're trying to do assignment before alignment. Here's a couple of scripture verses just to show you what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 7. Listen, these are hard verses, okay? So everybody sit up. Get on your big boy pants, right? Or girl pants or sweatpants, whatever, right? These are hard verses. Like I know we like to read the fun verses in the Bible that make us feel good. These are not going to make you feel good, okay? I'm just being up front. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. This is Jesus talking. Here's what he says. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that right there should jack us up and make us run to the altar, but let's keep going. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And we have a very activity-based culture, so we just read, do the will. Yes, I'm going to do the will. But now he's going to explain to us what the will of God is. Verse 22, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. They, they did a lot of stuff. And, and if we're honest, they did a whole lot more than we've ever done. I mean, any of you casting demons out? Well, I did punch my boyfriend. No, that's not what I meant, right? <laughs> Anybody perform any miracles? I took noodles and water and made amazing dinner. That's, that's close, right? We're not even doing that. And here's what he says. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Alignment before assignment. What is Jesus saying? He's saying you did a lot for me, but you weren't known a lot by me. He's after alignment first before assignment. A couple chapters later, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is talking again. And here's what he says. Ugh. Think tug of war when I read this, right? Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Did Jesus just say that? He just said it's possible that you could be doing good stuff, but you could be on one side of the tug of war and I'm on the other, and we're actually working against one another. He's saying you need to be with me, working with me, alignment before assignment. In our relationships, here's the deal. We'll go nowhere if we can't agree on somewhere. So here's what we can learn from a tug of war. Activity. Without unity is not victory. Never. And, and, and again, I get it. Like our culture, we're so activity-based. I mean, if I were to ask you on any given week, how are you doing with Jesus? You would say either good or bad, right? Let's just say you said, great. And if I said, why? You would tell me probably, if you're like me, you would say, well, this week I got to spend some time in the Word. And I got, and I prayed, like, I took a really long shower, kids couldn't come in, I prayed, right? Like, I, I, I only listened to um, Christian music in, in the car, or I didn't, I, I, listened to, I listened to some stuff that wasn't Christian, but it wasn't explicit, right? <laughs> like, you'll start, we'll, we, it's just the way we are, we'll start naming things that we've done or haven't done, and that's why we had a, a closer to Jesus. And what, what Jesus is saying to us is, like, no, like, you could do a bazillion things that are good, but if I don't know you, like, just align with me. Know my heart. If we're not connected, then no. I never knew you. That's what he's saying. So, listen, there must be assign alignment before assignment. It's true in, on all kinds of levels. I'm just going to name a few. There must be alignment before assignment. It's true physically. Anybody here ever throw your back out? Can I see your hands? 
right? Be easy. Don't throw your back out. Um, I've thrown my back out a couple times in my life, and and I mean, the story that I'll tell publicly is that I, I saw an older lady who had a car on her, and I lifted the car off of her and threw it off of her so she could live, and I threw my back out. But real reality is, I threw my back out one time doing laundry. I threw my back out one time washing dishes. It's like always, the, it's always the silliest things, isn't it? But here's what I've learned. Like in those moments when I, like I bent over to get the laundry out of the dryer and then I couldn't get back up. And then like all I could do was like lay on the floor and not move and just kind of moan, you know. But if you had come to me in that moment and said, hey, Paul, want to do something? I would have said, are you crazy? Like I'm trying to breathe right now without it hurting, right? If you, if you have chronic pain in your back, you, you know how hard it is to do anything. Your friends are like, let's go play golf. Yeah, I'd, rather, I'd rather, like, hit myself with sharp objects. What, are you kidding me? It's crazy. Because you can't do if you're not aligned. You talk to your friends a little bit, go see a chiropractor. Why? They can fix your back. Align you so you can then do stuff. This is true physically. I'm just trying to make sure you get this. Like it's true physically. It's true spiritually. Um, this is a statement. I want you to hear it. I don't mean anything bad about it. I just want you to hear it. We can be so busy for God, even doing good things, that we no longer even need him. We can get so busy doing stuff for God that we almost like lose sight of even needing him. I, I don't. I mean, everyone wants to get to this place, but, like, you know, it's it's actually possible that, I mean, I could preach a good message without prayer. You could probably lead a pretty good Bible study without prayer because we know enough, right? But we don't want to get to that place where we're actually doing stuff for God, but we don't actually have God. We want to be aligned. Um, it, it's true relationally. I mean, this is, uh, this is just brutal truth. I'm sorry. It's possible for, for two people to get married and live in the same house and never really see each other and live two completely separate lives. And, and those lives could even be about good things. She could be like the president of a college, and he could be like an entrepreneur who starts his own business and donates huge amounts of his profits to societal good. They could do a lot of really good things, never, ever see each other. They could pour themselves into their kids and never see each other. And then someday those kids are going to be gone. They're going to look at each other and go, who are you? There are couples that do good things separately but divorce because they can't get along together. It's true relationally. I mean, do you see what I'm talking about? They're not aligned. They're doing all kinds of activities. There's all kinds of assignments, but there's no alignment. Alignment has to come first. And, it, and it, let's just talk, it's true corporately. And corporately for you might be a business. I've never been in business. I, I, all I know is church, right? That's all I know. So can I just say that it's true corporately in church? Here's my, here, when I think church, this is my, this is what I've always known, right? So in church, take that tug of war game. <laughs> Remember that? And let's add a few ropes, okay? So just, you're going to have to use your mind. I can't, I can't show it to you. You've got to use your imagination. So you got this rope going this way. you got the flag in the middle, right? And let's put a rope this way, same flag in the middle. And then let's put a rope going this way, same flag in the middle. 
And then let's put a rope this way, same flag in the middle. And that's what, that's how I think of church. And all of those people on the ends, you know what those are? All the programs, all the things that we do in church. And then somebody says, go. And everybody starts pulling. And everybody that's pulling is actually pulling for something good. But that flag just moves all around and nobody ever really wins. They just get tired. Have you been there? Alignment before assignment. And we're so quick to want to get busy doing things, and there's nothing wrong with that, that sometimes we skip the part about being aligned. So what do we do? How do we fix that? Because, listen, the answer is not don't do good things, right? Because we know that God wants us to do good things. So how do we fix the tug of war? How do we bring things either into alignment or, for most of us probably, how do we realign, right? So here's how we do that. We start by realigning ourselves with the most important relationship on the planet. And that is who? Jesus. It's funny, the 9 o'clock service was the same way. Because that was like a layup, wasn't it? That's like a no-brainer, alley-oop, slam it down. I'm going to say it again so you can feel confident, right? The most important relationship on the planet is with Jesus. Always, always, always. John 15. We're going to read this. We'll spend the rest of our time in this passage. John 15, 1 through 5. Here's what Jesus says. Again, it's Jesus. And he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I do not have time to unpack this. I'm just going to make a quick note of it. If you read verse 2 with me, I hope you noticed everybody's getting cut. Did you notice that? So that's important, right? And I'm not saying that you're like this. I'm just being honest about, about how I am. I whine a little bit with God. I didn't feel good. I don't know if I like it in this room. I, like, I think I liked it better in a coffee shop, right? Like we just start whining a little bit. Ow. And we start to buy the lie that if I'm close enough to God, I won't ever get cut. But what we just read is everybody's getting cut. You're either getting cut off or you're getting cut back. And if he's cutting you back, it's so you can produce even more fruit. We're all going to get cut. Whole different message. Let's keep moving. Okay, verse 3. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. Everybody say, duh. That's just a no-brainer, right? Y'all should have been in my yard during the last storms we had. When it rains really hard and the wind blows in our yard, we hear the rain, we hear the wind, and then we hear, it's just, just dead limbs falling off of our trees. That's all it is. I mean, they're huge, too. And we have to go out and pick them up because they're severed. They're severed from the tree. There's no life in them. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, if it's severed, you can't produce fruit. You can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce how much fruit? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, how do we realign ourselves in the most important relationship on the planet? And here's how you do it. 
You've got to stop plus wanting God. Plus one. Plus one, if you go, if you get invited to a wedding or to a party or to any kind of event and there's an invitation, they will say, bring a plus one. Or they won't say bring a plus one, right? But plus one is I'm coming and I may or may not be bringing along a guest. If it's allowed, if it's convenient, and if I want to, I'll bring a guest. I'll bring a plus one. And I'm telling you, the reason why most of us struggle in every relationship we have on this planet is because we have made the relationship with Jesus optional. And we have plus one God. If it's convenient, if it's allowed, and if I want him there, I will bring Jesus along. We have plus one to him. And if you want your relationships to succeed, if you want to realign yourself back with him, what you've got to do is stop seeing him as a guest. You've got to start seeing him as a necessity. His relationship is the only one. It's the most important relationship. If we plus one God, here's what it looks like. On the good days, and y'all do have good days, right? On the good days, you know what happens? We don't think we need him. So we ignore him, right? We don't involve him in our lives until we have a bad day. And then when we have a bad day, we plus one God into that bad day. Well, we might not actually pray because we might feel so bad about all of our, like we've ignored him. So here's what you'll do. You'll call, text, email, whatever. You'll call, you'll get in touch with people that you know are walking with God and ask them to pray for you. Right? I need, man, I need you to pray right now. I'm in a, I'm in a mess. Man, I, I need Jesus to come through like he's never come through before. You know why? Because he's never come through before. You've never asked him, right? And so we just plus one him. And here's the thing. I want you to see this. He comes through. I, I don't know how many of you are reading with us right now in the one-year reading plan, but if you're doing that on you on version, if you're not getting anything else out of the book of Genesis, Here's what you should be seeing loud and clear, or you should hear that loud and clear. You should see it some other way. I don't know how that would work. God is good, and we are stupid, right? I mean, we are crazy idiots, right? Like, he's always being good, and we're always messing it up. Like, he gives them a whole garden and says, it's all yours, just not that one tree. And then we take from the one tree, right? Forbidden fruit and all that, right? And when, when God could turn his back on us, when we've shown our worst side, what did he do? I, I told you not to do that, but hold on a second. I told you if you did it, you'd be naked. Here's some clothes. That's the goodness of God. At our worst, he's still good. Even when we plus one him, because he's good, he comes along. But when we treat him as optional... We'll never see our other relationships succeed. Never. Here's why that's dangerous. If our relationship with Jesus is optional, then our relationship with every other person will never be successful. And I'm not saying that he's the only relationship that matters, right? So uh, we have a lot of relationships in our lives that are really, really important. Like let's use tomorrow as an example. Please don't call your boss and say, I won't be at work today. And he'll, he or she will say, why? And you'll say, the only relationship that matters in my life is Jesus. And I'm going to be at home 
cultivating that relationship with him in the word. I got my Bethel playlist rocking in the background. Stephanie is playing and singing. And Chris Quesadilla is rocking on the guitar. And a bunch of other people whose names I can't pronounce, but they're all going to Bethel. It's awesome. And, you know, he's gonna, he or she's going to say, you should so do that without pay, right? Teenagers in the house, preteens, please don't look at your parents the next time they ask you to do something and say, uh, I don't have time for that. I'm cultivating my relationship with Jesus right now, right? Like all the relationships we have, they're really important. They're really vital. What I want you to see is none of them are as important as this one. And if we get this one right, then we're in a position to get these right. So at the beginning of a, a series on relationships, I mean, I'd be the worst teacher in the world if I didn't tell you the best thing you can do is realign yourself with Jesus. Before we even talk about your spouse, your, your best friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your boss, all the people that drive you nuts, before we talk about all those people and how to fix them, you, me, we got to get this right. We've got to. We've got to come into agreement with Jesus. And here's what we have to come into agreement with. John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do some stuff, right? A little. More good than bad. It'll all weigh out in the end, and I'll let you in. No, he said nothing. Like we, we have to come into agreement with that. You and I have got to come into agreement with our God who said, if you aren't with me, you're never going to make it. You're always going to have a lot of activity back and forth, and you're never going to have victory. It's going to be a constant tug of war. So when we live as if literally we can do nothing without him, what does that look like? It looks like this. Time with him becomes a priority, right? Not something we have to do. I get to spend time with Jesus. Time with his family becomes a priority. God, Sunday morning, I have to go to church today. No, you don't. You get to. I've been in countries where they, they see it as an honor to go to church because they could lose their life by doing it. And they're like, I get to go. Time with people that he loves in the community that don't love him yet, that becomes a priority. We talked about this last week. You go to, you go to, to, to work tomorrow like stepping into a mission field because you're going to be with people that he's crazy about. And you don't, ah, God, we have to serve. No, you get to serve. It's an honor to serve people. And when you're connected to the vine, when you realize, if, I, if I'm not with him, I can do nothing, then this becomes the most important thing in your life. And everything you do flows from it. Um, we're going to have the, the band come back out. And here's how we're going to kind of wrap this morning up. When I say that, do you listen for the door to open? Okay, just, just, yeah, just curious. We'll, we'll cut that part out. Um, here's how we're going to end this. I just want to give you the opportunity to realign yourself with Jesus. We sang this song earlier, and we're going to do it again because it's so appropriate to what we're talking about, King of My Heart. Listen, here's the deal. We can't treat a relationship with a king as optional. We've got to make that the most vital relationship in our lives. And here's, here's why. 
Because what we receive when we're connected to the vine is what actually flows out from us. When we all are doing that together, man, there's no, there's no stopping what can happen in the kingdom. So remember that tug of war? Like, can you imagine this? Um, you got the flag in the middle. You got one team over there, like the hefty people over there. They're really strong. And you got the people over here. They think they're strong too. And, and they're just back and forth and nobody ever wins. Can you imagine what would happen if we laid the rope down and this side let go of that side and came over here and got on this side and everybody pulled together at the same time? How long would it take to get that flag across that line? Like that, right? Like that's what he wants in the kingdom. He wants us working together with him, aligned with him. And, man, when he says, hey, I trust you're aligned with me, I'm going to give you assignments all the time because now we're working together. So in one of your assignments this month is to cultivate these relationships into a godly relationship. But before you can do that assignment, you've got to be aligned, right? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And just, I want to ask you one question. I just want you to answer it honestly, okay? It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus or if you're just thinking about starting today. If you've been in church your whole life or this is your first time, here's the question. Are you aligned? Are you in agreement with the king? And if, if your answer to that question is anything but a resounding yes, then this time is for you to realign with a God who is good, a king who is good, and who desperately wants you aligned with him because he's got an assignment for you. So just before we stand up and begin to sing, if, if, if that's you and you know that you need to realign with your king this morning, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? Thank you so much. I mean, hands all over the place. Here's what I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, okay? We're gonna give you some time with the Lord, all right? And as the band begins to sing, the lights are gonna dim a little bit, and everybody's gonna stand up. I'm gonna ask you all to stand. If you raised your hand, man, would you come and just spend time with your king at the altar? And if you you see somebody come to the altar and you want to pray with them, man, you just come get get behind them and pray. Get some worshipers behind you, and we're just gonna sing this song over you. And then I'll close this out when we're done. Is that cool? So, Father, right now we just give this time to you. All these hands that went up. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in these hearts. You want to realign us to you. And so right now we give you the next few moments, God. Have your way in this place. We trust you as you realign us to your heart. In your name, Jesus. Amen.